The first reading is from Genesis 1, and it's reading from verse 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading will be Luke 12, verse 35 to 48, and that will be on page 145. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them watching when he comes. I tell you, you the truth. He will dress himself to serve. We'll have them, he, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants who, and whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom who the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. 
he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready for, or does not do what his master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will, beat, will be beaten with few blows from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray we may hear your voice this morning. May we respond to it in humility and faith. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> I must say, in starting off, that this is a very emotional moment for me because I hadn't stood in front of the congregation to preach at 10.30 for over 20 years. So I relished the opportunity to bring God's word to you and to encourage you to think and perhaps disturb you a bit, yes? And also give you some comfort because they're both sides of what's going on. <clears throat> Today we're looking at the mark of mission and it's formed to my lot to deal with a, a very contentious subject. It stirs up activists, it calls people to have uh, high feelings, yes, we'll say that. But I think we need to recognise that we have a right, we have a, not a right, a responsibility to be a good steward. And our second reading, if I'd like to find that in Luke 12, um, talks about what constitutes a good steward, or a servant, it does say servant in some versions. The good steward, <clears throat> so he's called to be somebody who's waiting for their master to return. Are we doing that? Are we waiting for our master to return? Or are we just concerned with our own affairs? They respond to his commands quickly. I remember once when I was preaching here, I suddenly put a mobile phone. I said, wouldn't it be good if we uttered God's call so quickly? It's a blessing to stay awake, says Jesus, because these people are treasured by God to the extent that he will wait on them and serve them at a, at a meal. Can we imagine that? It's quite a thought, isn't it? Behind this, it is the understanding of trust and responsibility. Jesus also saying <clears throat> that waiting for him is like watching over your house against burglars. So be vigilant. And in my version, that uh, part of the ma ma message, it does say that he would, the, ma the, the house owner wouldn't have permitted his house to be dug through 
It is a process, not a sudden change. So how can we be ready? The creed helps us here. It says we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Do we? We say we believe that, but do we do it? Are we looking forward to Jesus' return? We shall see why that's important in dealing with creation later. The faithful steward after this is also is very wise. He's in a position of authority. He seems to be a good organizer and an obedient servant. And trust that he shows leads to greater responsibilities. The warnings in verse 45 to 48 don't bear thinking about because um, if we avoid them at the plague, basically, because if we, a good steward, would not abuse or take God's trust for granted. Those in government need to hear the last part of verse 48, which says, everyone who much is given, of him much will be required. And we don't even get that, do we? Let's pray for it. Secondly, the Old Testament account of creation before the fall paints a very lovely picture. It was very good because God, who is good, made it. Amplified version states that it was very good, suitable, pleasant, and God approved it completely. What more can you say? Man, the pinnacle of creation, was in close relationship with God, who is and, and who was and is in relationship with himself. Note the pronoun us in verse 26. Let us make God in our image. That's the first mention of the Trinity in the Bible. If God's in relationship with us, we should be in good relationship with him and with his creation. Man was given complete authority, says the Amplified. The word rule is in NIV. Amplified version of verse 28 adds to the word subdue, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. I'll repeat that. Using all its vast resources, that's the earth resources, in the service of God and man. And that's where we've fallen down. We've left God out. And sometimes man out as well. There's provision for man and animals, we see in verse 29 and 30. Compare this with the clearing of the rainforest in Brazil and other areas so that agricultural land is increased. That's one big example. And thirdly, our present crisis. It is a crisis. But it clearly shows that we as a race have not been good stewards of the earth. Our first reaction, therefore, as we all been praying, should be to repent before God and listen to his message about how we can do our bit to help the environment. I say help the environment deliberately. I'm not saying solve the problems. Because we are, have to face some certain uncomfortable facts. Scientists, of whom I'm not one, but I've listened to them, have shown that of the many problems facing the planet, only two are partially under control. One is acid rain, another is the ozone layer. The rest seems far too big for humans to make any serious progress on. That may be a shock. That's what the scientists are saying. The balance has to be struck, therefore, between feeling guilty and doing nothing, or being positive and seeking to understand what scripture has to say on this topic. One of the Psalms, verse 20, Psalm 24, verse 1, says this. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, the world and they who dwell in it. In other words, the, the earth doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. That's the first thing we have to say. The way we look after creation, we want to reflect what we feel towards the creator. A simple picture. Imagine you have a friend who lends you their car. And you go and bash it up. And they come back. And of course your friend's not very happy. The relationship is also smashed to the car is. It's the same with how God feels about the environment. As humans, we're the pinnacle of God's creation, therefore we should be setting an example to care for what God has provided for us. And I stress what God has provided for us. Not what we've made. The problems we face, I know people take issue with this, are not basically environmental, although they seem to be, though they are presented as such. They are a matter of the heart and a spiritual issue. The environmental activists don't mention God in the messages, I wish they did. So people began to panic. Does God want that? I don't believe so. Fear is the enemy's playground. And we're advised not to go there. The world's put its trust in the scientists, human brilliance, the movement called Gaia, to do with the earth, materialism and socialism, and they've all failed. And in fact, what we're doing is we're walking on thin ice, often going sinking into the pond. That's the facts. I'm not very pretty. But we can change the way we live. How to the earth matters to him and so it matters to us. Another verse which is very, very important in this issue is Hebrews chapter th- 1, verse 3, which says in part, he is, as Jesus Christ is the imperfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. That's what's going on at the moment. Otherwise, I think we could have had um, a dissolution of the earth much earlier. Some scientists believe that we can uphold the planet. The main problem is that this generation has taken God out of the situation. Psalm 93, verse 1, has this to say. The Lord reigns, he is clear of majesty, the Lord is robed, he is good to this help with strength and power. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are for everlasting. God's throne, his place of authority, is older than the hills. He's everlasting. What he says goes. And this should be a message of hope for us to share in mission. Furthermore, God sustains the universe by his words of power. I don't think they meditate upon this fact enough. Because if we did, we wouldn't be despondent. We would stand as a people of hope. And this is what this was looking for. Hope. We see how this is all around. Systems have been tried and found wanting. So why not give God a try and see what he comes up with? It's really quite appealing. Everything else is basically idolatry. And idolatry is when we place something in God's place where he should be in our lives. Simple as that. Whatever it is. 1 Peter 3.15 has a very important thing to say here. It says, 
Uh, if in your heart set apart Christ as holy, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that's in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. He said, the hope that's in you. Have we got hope in us? We have every reason to have. If you don't have hope, what hope is there for the world? We're supposed to believe? If we don't have hope, how do we go on? Peter's saying we should set the past Christ as Lord in our hearts. That includes hoping God as a sustainer of the universe. Put another way, Jesus, the sustainer of the universe, lives in me. I'll say that again. Jesus, the sustainer of the universe, lives in me. That is quite a something to think about. It's a promise with a very definite challenge. As good stewards, we should take the environment seriously and bring us to God in what has been termed global-sized prayers. I wonder how many of us actually pray for the whole world while well, that's a little patch of it. It's a challenge for all of us, myself included. If I seem to be belittling those who are environmental activists, I'm not doing that at all. They keep this topic in the news, which may galvanise some of us to do our part. The shame is not many Christians are in the forefront of this message. Is that a mission for some people? If Christians are on the forefront of this message, it might have more impact. I will have to say two things which I think are very important about mission and creation. We can answer for the hope that is in us if we challenge that by saying, does your concern for the planet stretch towards being rightly related to God? That's a big question. This will search out where they are spiritually. And I'll say something which I think is very important. Jesus is the arch-environmentalist. Jesus is the arch-environmentalist. After all, he is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And sort the whole place out. Let's be thankful we're made in God's image. Able to respond to him and allow him to change us from the inside out. And the second thing is this. We will not make much difference to the world and its problems until we are rightly connected to the Creator. So I ask a question. Are we rightly connected to the Creator? Do we know Jesus personally? This cross has a meaning to it, many meanings to it. One of it, one of the many meanings, is that Jesus came to give us, was part of the divine exchange our wrongs, his robe of righteousness. It's a challenge for everybody who lives as to whether they're connected to the Creator. Otherwise, how can they relate to creation? When we submit to Jesus, he will show us how to live with the environment that we are in. That is our link to mission in creation. Jesus is going to preside over new heavens and a new earth. So why couldn't it be over a new you? Part of his creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a famous verse. So if anyone is in Christ, new creation. 
That's what the Greek says. Like that. No ifs and buts. If we want to be part of his new creation, we have to be recreated. So what should our response be? Well, firstly, be a proclaimer of the truth that God in Jesus is coming again to sort out the problems of the environment. Hallelujah. That's what I say about that. That you make it eager to pray, thy kingdom come, and to look forward to his second coming. The end of the creed says, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the world, life of the world to come. That's what it's about. Secondly, we need to realize how much we all need God to solve our problems. Human cleverness only goes so far. And we all need to take a big dose of hum humility on that point. Thirdly, take practical steps. Yes, there are some. Out of love for God, not trying to appease other people. The motivation is very important here. If we change our lives because we want to please God, that's the highest motive. For some people, it might mean walking when you might do some driving. I know some people will have to drive. I'm well aware of that fact. We can use fair trade items in the church, which we do, and extend that. We could pray maybe electric cars can get cheaper, and the infrastructure is far more widespread. We can recycle. You can think of many more things. There are some things we can start with. We can challenge our leaders to implement what help can be given. Fourthly, we can take an audit of ourselves about how, what our motives for living are as we are. In a crisis, it's always the poor who suffer most. Do we care about them? The early Christians did, as you can see in the book of Acts many times, giving collections for the poor, for example. Jesus once said, the poor you will always have with you. So do good to them. That's part of being a steward as well. Fifthly, make sure that you're right with God, knowing his peace, his guidance, and his love for others as well as yourself. It's only as we stand out as those who are positive in a crisis that our testimony will impact others. And we all need to pray that many will be touched by God through the present and coming upheavals. Sixthly, have a balanced perspective. Now of the Psalms, and I find the Psalms are very instructive about creation. Psalm 102, verse 25 says this, At the beginning you existed and laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They shall perish, but you shall remain and endure. Yes, all of them shall wear out and become like a garment. Like clothing, you shall change them, and they shall be, passed, and they shall be changed and passed away. So the earth is going to wear out and become old. And partly, that's what we're seeing in the global warming. All right, we have a part to play as human beings, granted. But the earth is wearing out. We're part of God's creation, and sadly, we wear out, don't we? You know about the aches and pains and everything that might go wrong? Well, we're wearing out. <laughs> we're being restored on the inside, but on the outside, we're wearing out. Now, that's what's happening to creation. It's wearing out. That's what the psalmist said quite clearly. Note also, verse 27, but you remain the same and your years have no end. And verse 28, the children of your servants shall dwell safely and continue and their descendants shall be established before you. 
Perhaps we should have a picture in our minds of a globe with a cross in it. God wants to rescue this world. He won't do it through man-made ideas. He will do it through the cross. It's very interesting to know that a substance which holds all ourselves together called laminin is in the shape of a cross in our systems. So why don't we all respond to the big cross that Jesus died on? Each one of us can reveal a future hope by being recreated. A bit of creation exposed amid the present suffering. We can be part of the solution, not the problem. As we were saying earlier on, God unchanging, firm foundation. You're faithful and we will trust in you. And I think, as we mentioned in the prayers, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is very relevant here. If my people who are called by me will seek my, um, my, my face and pray, I will heal their land, remember. And the healing of the land is what we're talking about. All over the world. All I can say in finishing is, our Lord come, Maranatha. Amen.